0: Well, again, thanks for being here today. I'm so glad that you could join us. Um, we are in the book of Acts today, um, Acts chapter 15. And if you've got your Bible, you might want to open up to verses 36 through 41. So Acts 15, 36 through 41. And just to kind of give you a little bit of recap of where we've been with this series, uh, we've traveled through Bible stories looking at experiences from the, from the viewpoint of some people in the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New. And we've asked this question, what if I stumble? Perhaps we can learn a little bit about what to expect from others around us by looking back at the way that stumblers, people who fell in the faith, how they were treated by those around them, or how they uh, responded to their own stumbling. Did they stay down? Did they give up? Did they accept stumbling? Did they accept uh, forgiveness? I mean, we look at we looked at Peter first, who had betrayed Jesus. He had denied him three times, but yet he accepted a fresh start and presented, uh, and that was presented to him, and he became the early church leader. Judas Iscariot, however, tried to obtain a fresh start just by merely returning the blood money he got from. Uh, Betraying Jesus and rather than changing his heart. And then he trusted in religious people to help solve his guilt problem. Remember that he came to them and he wanted he wanted his guilt problem to be solved and he didn't go to Jesus for it. And therefore, he died not accepting forgiveness. Back in the Old Testament, Samson was so full of himself that I wonder how God was even able (laughs) to do. There was any room left for God to do any kind of work in him, but with his final moments, he commits his life and death to Yahweh and to the destruction of his enemies. Last week, we looked at the New Testament era again to explore a potential turning point in the faith. What would happen if someone successfully faked holiness? Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, lied to God. They pretended to be all in. You remember that? They pretended to be all in when they certainly were not. And they fell down and died right in front of Peter. Because their imposter status was exposed, great fear of the Lord broke out, even among the faithful. People outside the church began to look in and wonder, oh, these guys, these folks... They serve a God who doesn't mess around. Now, today we're going to be staying in the New Testament. And there's one conflict that baffles me. And perhaps it baffles you too. It's, it's not super highlighted in the New Testament. It's not a, it doesn't seem like a knockdown, knock dragout fight. But I feel like it's a more regular conflict that we see in the world. Uh, this conflict is between Paul and Barnabas. In a moment, I'm going to present to you a short skit. I kind of prefaced it. It's a bit silly. My other ones have been a bit more dramatic. Uh, So feel free to respond in whatever way you want. I hope nobody brought tomatoes today or rotten fruit of any kind. But we're going to be looking at bits and pieces from the story from Acts chapter 15. And you see, anytime there's conflict, no matter the severity, some people will always try to make it worse trying to make a bigger deal out of something that's not really there. But my main question today is I want to ask is this. Can Christians agree to disagree and it not be a sin? So go with me now to a place of roving reporters, anxious anchormen, and a Bible character who's never been on TV before. Good evening, and welcome to New Testament News, formerly known as Today's Torah Tidbits. I'm your host, Manny L., and boy do we have a doozy of a top story tonight. Tonight we get into the most heated disagreement of our time, Paul versus Barnabas. Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. Saul, the guy that wanted to kill and or jail all the Christians, Paul, you may be aware of this, had a radical experience with the Lord and it changed his life. Or did it? To see if Paul is up to his old Saul-like self, we've got our man in the street, Owen Lots, ready to interview Saul right after his service. I mean, Paul from Cilicia. Oh, am I on? Okay. Oh, thanks a lot, Manny. It's a hot night out here in Cilicia and I'm just outside this house. Oh, I mean, I should keep it down to praying. Um, no, the authorities here in the area know of the group of believers that meet here quite frequently. But presently, they are not beating down the door. I think it's because they actually um, were invited to the meal and the service beforehand. But anyway, we're waiting outside the service to see if, uh, if it, when it finishes, if we can get a word. with. Oh, yes, here he comes, Paul. Paul of Tarsus, Paul also now is. Okay, you don't have to do all the names every single time. How can I help you? Well, I'm Owen Lotz with the New Testament News, uh, formerly known as Torah Tidbits. Right, huh? And I'd like to ask you about your sharp disagreement with Barnabas. Why did you put it in air quotes? I just sense that there's something more (laughs) than just a sharp disagreement. Well, you'd be wrong. I mean, the situation was just so very ordinary. I'm sure your viewers, wherever they are, wouldn't care about a disagreement between a couple of ministers. Oh, please, indulge us. I heard you haven't seen or spoken to Barnabas since he left with that other guy, John Mark yes john mark john mark if that's his real name wasn't he the cause of this kerfuffle well sort of you see john mark was a good helper on our first missionary journey while he was there but at a certain point he decided to leave just up and abandon us i bet that made you furious here you are, risking your life to bring the gospel to people, and there goes John Mark, just often abandoning you. Well, honestly, I wasn't too shocked at his departure. I had seen signs of his wavering, but he stuck with us until that one day in Pamphylia. Well, we continued to the rest of that journey without him. Who, uh, who do you, who's we? Who's this we again? Zacchaeus. Really? No. He was a wee little man, but he wasn't with us. It was just me and Barnabas. Okay, let's get back to that sharp disagreement. Seriously, again with the air quotes. The sharp disagreement was about John, Mark. But from your backstory, he was long gone by this point. Yes, I, I, I wished he didn't leave us, but he did. And Barnabas and I came to Antioch. And sometime later, we started planning a new missionary journey. Oh, and that's when the trouble began between you and Barnabas, right? You could say that. You see, Barnabas wanted to give John Mark another chance at joining us in the journey. But I wasn't exactly keen on the idea. (laughs) Air quotes. I had nothing against either one of them. I just... Did not think that it was wise to bring John Mark along with us. I mean, what's that expression? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. John Mark left us and didn't continue the work. I wasn't interested in inviting that kind of a person on another missionary journey. Why did you think Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark? I mean, he left both of you, right? Well, you're going to have to go to Barnabas and ask him for sure. But he is a bit more trusting and forgiving when it comes to these types of things. He's also very encouraging, hence his name. They also are family, so there's that. So what exactly did you say during this heated discussion? I believe you mean sharp disagreements. I honestly don't remember. I probably reminded him of how John Mark left us and that he might do it again. Barnabas reminded me that we are to be forgiving and that he personally trusted John. In the end, we decided it was best if we went our separate ways. Ooh, sounds spicy. To forgive or to be wise? Which one of you was right? I think you're missing the point. Oh, I'll get to the bottom of this furious argument. Sharp disagreement. Whatever it is, I'm going to uncover the truth. Reporting from Cilicia, I'm Owen Lotz with New Testament News. Back to you, Manny. Thanks, Owen. Uh, That was very um, uh, er, informative. Okay, so just in case you missed it, here's some of the details. We're going to read... Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace. Commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So the first thing that we come to is this conflict between Paul and Barnabas. Here in this passage, we have this disagreement. Barnabas wants to take John Mark. Paul doesn't think it's wise. Wise. If we back up a few chapters, we'll see something about John that is wonderful. A wonderful thing about John Mark. Uh, Acts 13, 5b says, John was with them as their helper. I love sign language. Do you? I enjoy it because this was one of the first signs I learned. You put your, your fist with a thumb up on the middle of your palm and you push it up. This is the sign language for help. So if you ever need help and you can't say it out loud, and I guess you're signing to somebody who understands sign language, that would be the gesture for help. Helper, you just throw the R up there in the air afterwards. But anyway, I am so grateful for people who are helpers. It's nice to have people to assist you in ministry. And of course, we have several people here that are helpers I'm grateful to my daughters when they're able to help me with a computer and playing digital music. I'm grateful to our Sunday school teachers, Donna and Bev. I'm grateful to Jackie, who does such a good uh, job of keeping our yard kept so well here at the church in the Parsonage. Right now, of course, we're surely grateful to our contractor, Randy. Uh, he's been such a blessing to help us in the ministry right now. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you here today. Sharing a message from the Lord and leading worship in song is so much more enjoyable when there's others to participate in it. Helpers. Look for the helpers. John Mark was a helper. Until he wasn't. We don't know why he left, but it doesn't seem to sit well with Paul. Paul wasn't interested in traveling with someone who might leave them again. Some of the reading I was doing this past week on the story suggested Barnabas was partial And forgiving of John because they were related. Well, the scripture doesn't explicitly say that any of that. It only says that Barnabas and Paul have this sharp disagreement. So let's stop and reflect for just a moment. I know a lot of times when we look at scripture, we go, well, what would I do in this case? Uh, That helps us engage the passage. What would you do? Who do you think was right? Which one would you have uh, chosen to do? Maybe you've been through this, but who do you think was right, Paul or Barnabas? If you could ask Paul or Barnabas, go back in time and ask them a question, what would you ask them about this split? And more importantly, because you can't go back in time, what do you think they might say? You might want to ponder that this afternoon or throughout the week, but there is no way to know for sure the answers to those questions. But I wonder how heated the argument disagreement might have become. It's important to note that Paul and Barnabas never saw one another again. They selected their new ministry partners and off they went. Barnabas took John Mark, of course. Paul takes Silas. And they all went their separate ways. Now we don't know who was right or wrong, but we don't, know if, we don't know if there was even a right side at all. But there's one thing clear about this interchange. It actually reinforces the Bible's reliability. You might think, well, how is that? Let's picture this. Luke is sitting down to write his account of the gospel. Or excuse me, he's uh, of the early church. Um, Luke is known for being uh, and accredited to being the author of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, and he's sitting down to talk about the uh, the church history, early church history, and if he were sitting down to write a rosy picture of the church, a shiny PR material to get people to sign up, right? He would have left this disagreement, this argument out. You know, we want to. He'd probably say something like, "Everyone agreed on the right thing to do, and so they did it. We all agreed. We never have any fights. We never have any arguments." This conflict that we see here in scripture, this conflict between these two church leaders actually highlights their humanity. They aren't always so quick to forgive and they aren't always shrewd and cautious. They had a disagreement and it didn't get cut out of Luke's early church history. They never resolved the conflict. So as far as we know, it just motivates them to start new chapters in their life and in their ministry. New partners in work and new locations to travel. And I would suggest, I would go so bold to suggest that between Paul and Barnabas, this was actually a good thing for them and for the gospel. Beyond the biblical reliability, it forced these two powerhouses of ministry to spread out. Sometimes, if you've ever had staff leave in a church or whatever, um, sometimes a pastoral staff could be doing so great in one location and they're ministering to all the different departments or whatever have you. But there's a, there comes a time where maybe they need to go plant a church or maybe they need to go take a church of their own and lead as a lead pastor or something like that. And for them to grow personally and ministerially, um, but also to spread the news, to spread the gospel and to plant more churches throughout the world. And that doesn't happen if everybody just stays in the same building and same work environment. And so we see that even in today. There doesn't have to be a conflict to make a pastor leave. Now, the question still might remain because anytime there's a fight or an argument or a a disagreement, you might think there, there has to be someone right. Who was right in this case? Well, it's a reminder that when someone disagrees with you between Paul and Barnabas, it should be a reminder to us that it doesn't make that person who disagrees with us wrong and a sinner. It also doesn't make us right and a saint. They each made a judgment call and then stuck to their convictions. It's important to note that this is not a disagreement about theology. That's a key sticking point. This is not a theological disagreement that we would have trouble with. That seemed a bit more clear-cut. This was simply an administrative disagreement, a judgment call. And sometimes we make it a matter of sinner and saint when we become, by becoming the former while believing that we're the latter. We think we're a saint when we really are probably the sinner. You see, the classic uh, disagreement, you may heard this trope before, But about the color of the carpeting, oh, we're gonna put new carpeting in the church and somebody wants it to be bright orange, 1970s bright orange and somebody else goes, no, I want it to be tan or gray. And there's a conflict there and people are butting heads about carpets. It's flooring, okay? It's flooring, nothing spiritual about carpet. But a person who stews over that conflict, that disagreement and it starts to believe the worst in the other person that they're having this, who is opposing them, rather than seeing their point of view, it, at that point, becomes a spiritual matter inside that person who's stewing over it. The stewer (laughs) uh, begins to think hurtful thoughts about the other person's spiritual status. Oh, well, they're not really a Christian because they wouldn't do this. And it's just because that person disagrees with them. And this person stewing, is missing out on the blessings of God. So what's the result with Barnabas and Paul? What happens in their story? Well, Barnabas, as we learned, um, it seemed like it was a fairly common name. I I can't conclude entirely, but I don't think all the Barnabases were the same guy. Um, So another one of those John Smith type names, but it actually translates to son of encouragement. He was an encouraging partner to Paul as they ministered together. He encouraged and gave John Mark another chance to minister to others with him. I'm sure that helped John Mark greatly because he has a little bit more of a story. You see, he goes on to write what is believed to be by many scholars the earliest written account of the ministry of of Jesus. He wrote what we know as the gospel according to Mark. And even though he wasn't a disciple himself, tradition holds that he was present when Jesus was arrested. We get that from Mark fourteen fifty one through 52. It says, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Oh my goodness, super embarrassing. Why haven't we heard more of this? Well, there's a really good reason. It's only in Mark's gospel. Why would Mark leave such a tidbit in there? It's because it's about him and it's embarrassing. Okay? It gives validity to his scripture because it's verifiable. For one, people around the time when Mark would have written it would have gone, yeah, that happened. Boy, that, I'm sure Mark wants to forget it, but he left it in there. It's, the, it's only in his uh, account of the gospel. And it reinforces the accuracy of scripture. Because it's an embarrassing thing. You would have left it out. It's bad PR. I mean, you know what happened to Noah when somebody saw him naked in his tent and that was, that was no good. No muy bueno, okay? Here is not, not okay. And so um, for, for him to leave this in, the scripture um, was uh, embarrassing, but it also helps give weight to the accuracy of scripture. So that's what happened to John Mark. But Paul and Silas... One of the biggest things that happens to them, I mean, they go on to minister, and I think they're even more of a household name in the New Testament than even Paul and Barnabas. You see, at one point, they have a real jailhouse rock. Not only do they go around strengthening the churches in Syria and Cilicia, well, when they're persecuted and jailed, God works a miracle. You might remember the story. They're all sitting in jail, shackled up big time, and they're worshiping all through the night and singing. And all of a sudden, an earthquake shakes all the chains loose and all the doors pop open. And when the jailer wakes up and figures out what has happened, he tries to kill himself. But Paul says, no, we're all here, it's fine. And that very night, the jailer comes to faith and he and his whole household are baptized into the faith. Now, of course, Paul and Silas had many other exploits, but that's the one that sticks out in my mind. And as I was digging and trying to understand this whole concept of Paul and his story and how it intertwines with John Mark, because it seemed like they were the one that had the big conflict, 2 Timothy 4, 11, Paul is at the end of his career, and he seems to know that he's at the end of his life. He's saying his final words to his son, as he says, Timothy, son in the faith, and he calls for Mark to come to him at this point. Says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. What a beautiful picture of redemption and forgiveness. You see, this helper who was helpful until he took off became helpful again in Paul's eyes. Unity and peace with others. Is so much more than never arguing. Think about that. It's so much more than never arguing. If you never disagree or maybe even argue with someone about something, chances are that you don't care all that much about anything or care that much about voicing your own opinion out loud. In the church, we're made of imperfect human people. And there's no need for us to hide our flaws no benefit to sweeping them under the rug, just as those things are evidence of the Scripture's reality when we see them in Scripture, we are the regular examples of why Jesus died on the cross. He died even for me. With all my imperfections, with my opinions, they very well might lead to sharp disagreements or heated arguments. And he died for you with your thoughts on the best way to do ministry, your ideas of grace or your ideas of caution. He died for you even when you insist that you are right, even if you might not be right. He died for you. Christ's sacrifice on the cross brings us together. The ancient practice of partaking in the Lord's Supper as a reminder of what he did for us and what he continues to do, even in spite of us, And what he desires to do in the world through us. We may not always agree on everything and that's okay. But we can agree on this. Christ died to set us free from sin. This morning I want to conclude with partaking in the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, the Communion. And uh, in our church... It's it's one of the few sacraments that we call sacraments, and um, it's an important one. In our church, we don't use um, fermented wine. You probably are aware of this, but I always like to share that anyway. And if you want to know more about why that is, I'd love to talk to you about that. The Communion Supper, instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows, both, it shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is presented by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverence, appreciation, and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so Grateful for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We know the story doesn't end on the cross, but we want to just pause there to recognize his deep, deep sacrifice. And maybe we've been around the block in church culture, and maybe we're new to it, but conflict is always around the corner, and sometimes it's not a matter of sin. Sometimes it's just a disagreement. And Lord, even in those disagreements, in those judgment calls, we can still have unity in you. And as we partake in the body and the blood today, I pray that you would help make us more unified today than we were yesterday. So we partake together, May you be blessed by a unified body here locally and globally. All the Christians around the world who are partaking in the sacrament today. As a way to connect with you, as a way to accept your continual love and sacrifice and forgiveness for us. We pray and thank you for all these things. On the night that Jesus was betrayed He was hanging out with his friends <laughs> I like to picture it like that I look at the uh, The painting Of course of the Last Supper In our intervention, right? Just a beautiful painting Well known Everybody on one side of the table Because that was convenient to the, the artist <laughs> And And uh, and all the drama that unfolded around that table, and all the drama that happened before they got to that table—the conflict, who's greatest in the kingdom of Jesus? Who, can I sit on your side or the left side? And Judas is silently plotting behind, and Peter is rushing ahead and doing this and that and other thing, and telling Jesus, "No, this is not what's going to happen." And all of those conflicting ideas and thoughts just shine all the more of Jesus' grace and mercy and sacrifice for imperfect people in an imperfect world. Trying to live out His sacrifice and His love in this world. And so as we partake today, I'm going to pass this out. and give you a moment to get ready because I know it's a little challenging. We're going to partake together uh, as we do. Um, And so if you would... um, Go ahead and, and, and receive if you want. Again, this is for... It's not mandatory. If you do not wish to, that is fine. I will come around everybody for your convenience. If you need help, we we'll think. i to go I was about to cause another church conflict. Don't skip anybody. Everybody okay? Doing all right? Got it? Okay. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. The juice represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless and everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the church is not always on the same page. We are made up of people who you have beautifully and wonderfully made to be individuals. And I pray that you would unify us around the most important pieces. Help us to understand that we can agree to disagree, but that we can agree on you. Our thankfulness for your sacrifice, for our sins, our gratefulness for your grace and mercy. You're calling upon each and every one of us, and no matter what our circumstances are, you call us to spread the good news, the gospel, in everything that we do. We thank you this day for all of these things. In the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace.